Hey, what's up guys? This is Ben Landers. I'm the founder of the PEspecialist.com and I just want to say thanks for being here. You're listening to the Fizz Ed Q&A show. I hope this is an awesome, valuable conversation that will help give you some ideas and answer some common questions around the field of physical education. If you want any links for things that we talk about or summaries, make sure to check out the show notes at the PEspecialist.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the show. What's up, friends? This is Ben and Marcus, and welcome to the Fizz Ed Q&A podcast. We've got a very helpful, awesome episode lined up for you today, a very common question, and that is... How to teach kindergarten and PE class. <laughs> How to teach those gardeners. Oh, man, what a struggle. Um, so just we're going to start off and talk about how to start the year with kindergarten, uh, some things that we do at the beginning of the year. And we're also going to talk about our different perspectives because I have my kindergartners uh, twice a week for 25 minutes. So my classes are very short. And uh, Marcus has his kids for Once 50 minutes. Once a week for 50 minutes. So Yeah, so, we have, so we'll have some different perspectives. Hopefully we can hit everybody and give you guys some good tips and things. Um, so when you start the year, uh, for me, you got to remember that those kids, it's the first time being in school for many of them. So they're going to walk into the gym with wide eyes and they're going to look around. They're going to probably be scared. Uh, some of them might be crying. Uh, and so you have to just ease into things. Um, for me, I teach my kids the stopping signal the very first day. We practice walking on the short lines, jogging on the long lines, and then we play a little game called IC, which is a game where they just move around in open space and we talk about having our personal bubble. Um, and uh, also I read them the book, uh, The Gym Teacher from the Black Lagoon. So we talk about how we're gonna learn lots of different things and how much fun it's gonna be. And I just try to keep it very low key. I try not to put anybody in timeout yet uh, and just, you know, have a fun first day of PE. What about you? What's your first day look like? Um, ours is pretty similar. You know, we come from, you know, the same, you know, background as far as, you know, teaching wise go. Students come in, they, as you say, they have the big wide eyes. They're just really, really excited about being there. That's the first room they walk in and the ceiling is, you know, 20 feet high in the sky. So they, they are really excited to be in there. So we have to have um, a great uh, patience on them and um, try to make that first day really enjoyable. We do the same thing. We talk about a start and a stop signal. Uh, and we also you know walk through the walking and jogging as our warm-up as well. Um, we just try to do a good job of connecting with them and trying to learn their names um, as quickly as possible on there. So we just try to set a really good positive impact on them when they first walk in. And then uh, we establish a rule, start and stop signal, all those different things over there that can, you know, help them enjoy the experience of being in the gym. So, you know, we do some of the similar things over there. It's just, you know, we do them just a little bit different, but sure. it's pretty much the same thing in there. Uh, Marcus just made me remember one, one thing I do, I uh, started doing this about three years ago, is when they come in that first week, our teachers put name tags on them. Mm-hmm. And um, because I know most of the school except for kindergarten, kindergarten is really the biggest struggle for me to learn their names. And so we'll take pictures of every class as they come in and I create a little folder on Google Drive. And then before that class comes in next time, swipe. I'll just swipe those kids, swipe. make sure I'm swipe. playing the memory game. And yeah. then that really helps me learn their names a lot faster. Oh, and yeah. so that helps 
a ton when you're trying to <laughs> manage a kindergarten class because I don't have assigned seats with them. Um, so I really need to be able to know their names to call kids out for demonstrations or behavior issues and things like that. So make sure you learn their names. That Taking a picture of them at the beginning of the year is a good call. Yeah, good life hack on there. Yeah. Take a picture of them and you can see them. Because, I mean, you see them the first time, you see them what they're wearing, but they wear something different the next time. It's tough to remember the name, but if you could do that. And then send them to all the other related arts teachers, too. I do that. I share it on the Google Drive with all the other related arts teachers so they can see it, too. And so that they can learn the names as well, and that helps build rapport with the other teachers as well. Um, so after first day, you got to get those basic stopping signal procedures in. Then I start talking about some of the rules and the following lessons, like... The next lesson we'll go over how to use the bathroom, what the rules are for the bathroom. If the music's on, you can go. If the music's off, you can't. I let them show them how to turn the light on, how to open the door, how to flip the stop-go sign. We talk about the strike one, strike two, strike three. You know, if you don't follow the rules, then that means other people can't learn. And so I have to explain to them that you'll have to go sit on the bench. And it's not a bad thing. It just means you need some time to refocus. And so we just try to ease them into those expectations and consequences and then after that, after we know those consequences, every single day I start my kindergarten class the exact same way. I, uh, how many K students do you have in a class do you team teach <laughs> from Instagram Live? Um, I have, we have a lower number of students at our school. Um, we have team taught in the past, but right now we have single classes. So about 24 to 25 is our kindergarten, 4K, or 4K is 20, kindergarten is 25. Over on my side, we have a huge school. We have one of the largest schools in the state, South Carolina. So we have about 900-and-something students in our school, and we have uh, about 23 to 24 kindergartners in there, and it's a double class every day. So it's about 48 to 50 kindergartners in there from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So we, have, uh, we do a lot of team teaching, so it takes a lot of patience and stuff like that. Um, that's cool. Fun. Yeah, that's Instagram cool. Live. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Kyle. I think that's called Mr. Coach PE. Um, so, anyways, uh, what was I saying? Mindset rules. Oh yeah, yeah, every day I start the kindergarten with the same thing, um, and I review the three most important rules with them, which is when the teachers talk on what are you doing, and all the kids say listening, <laughs> and if you have something to say, what should you do, and they say raise your hand. And then keep your hands and feet too. Yourself. So those three things are, you know, the majority of the issues that I have with my kindergartner. So every day reviewing those kind of puts it at the top of their mind and helps them remember the important things that they need to do to have a successful day in PE. We do basically the same thing. I do the call and response, the same ones as well. But we also have had um, issues in the past with tying the shoes. So we've had a designated area for them to tie the shoes and then I'll, I do the same ones that Ben does, but I also add in, uh, point to where you need to go if you need help with your shoes. So the kids, if their shoes are untied, we don't want them stopping in the middle of the activity. And, you know, kindergartens don't know that yet, so they'll just stop and, and try to tie their shoe right there. So we try to point them to an area where if I'm teaching, then my co-teacher and she could go tie their shoes. And if she's teaching, then I can go tie the shoes. So basically the same thing reviewing those rules every single time and then having a place designated place for them to tie their shoes because our school is so large it's tough for us to you know do different things like that so we have a designated area on there but reviewing those rules every week when they come every time and it helps out eventually they'll understand what's going on but yeah having those having that call and response is clutch it helps out those kindergartens so much
Um, yeah, it is nice. The one good thing about having two classes when you're team teaching is you have one person that's teaching and one person that can handle the crying kid, the injured kid, mm-hmm. the kid that has no, no shoes, the kid that can't turn on the light in the bathroom. Um, so that is the one good thing about having two classes at the same time if you have two teachers. Yeah. Um, the bad thing is you got 55 year olds in one spot which is in tough. August. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it can get there. Yeah, but yeah, um, keeping keeping those uh, routines the exact same every day is important because then the kids come in, they know exactly what to expect, and especially with kindergarten, um, it's really helpful. So definitely do that as you're getting starting out the year, get those routines, procedures, and try to keep that consistent over time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You want to hit mindset. Mindset, kindergarten mindset, it took a couple of years for me to develop, you know, working with Ben and seeing how he, how he handles kindergartners and, you know, working with my other co-teacher on there, you kind of develop a style of how to deal with kindergartens. And first you got to put yourself in their perspective. I mean, they're five years old, they've been barely walking and running for a couple of years. It's tough for them to, to get engaged with the rules that you're trying to do every single time. So I come in with the mindset of having, you know, major patience and being able to understand that they don't know anything and you're you're the one that's showing them how to do everything. So having that patience with them when they do make mistakes and not letting it uh, get you upset, it's a great mindset to have. And then one thing I had to continue telling myself that not to take it personal. And when they make a mistake, they don't know anything else. And they just, they're just learning as me and you are learning every single day. So if they say something or if they do something or if they try to make their friends laugh or, or they want to be silly or not listen to you, just try not, try, try not to make it personal. And another good thing about being able to co-teach with somebody is that if they're teaching, then you can, you can bring that student on there and have a positive conversation with them. Or if you need to redirect them, you can do that as well. But for me, my growth mindset is to be just be patient with their five years old or six years old. They're still learning, still trying to figure things out. Being patient with them is a great way for you to help you survive. And then once you have that conversation with them, you never know. You can reach them and do different things you never thought you could do with them. But having that patient mindset is a way to, to get the students to do what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, totally agree with everything Marcus said. And also, uh, for me, Kindergarten used to be a class that I dreaded for my first couple of years teaching because I just didn't have control of them. I didn't have management. And I was trying to actually teach a lesson instead of having like a play to learn mindset where I was going to expose them to content and then they were going to get a chance to build skills. Because the thing is, when you're trying to teach kids a progression of tasks and they don't have the skills yet to do that progression, it's going to fall apart. And so... Um, the, the more that you can allow those kids to have uh, time to practice skills with less you talking and less structure, um, the better. Do you see that question? Just came I up? did see that. It says, uh, do you have any tips of learning uh, all the names? Oh, uh, yeah. We, uh, we talked about we that at the beginning. That. We, um, over it again we take sure. pictures at the beginning of the year when they have name tags on the first week. And then we scroll through them um, whenever you need to do a review of the names. Yeah. 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 Taking those pictures of kindergartens are huge because, I mean, you if you if you can learn the kindergartners' names, then you just have to learn the new set of kindergartners' yeah. names the next year and the new students who come to your school. So, you know, doing whatever you can, taking pictures, looking at the names, um, looking at your sheet, trying to figure out all the different ways that you can try to figure out. I'm a big names guy, so I try to figure out the names first, last, brother, sister, all types of that because I that's helped me build a relationship with students. So. 
learning those names as quickly as you can and uh, doing over again, that'll, that'll help you out as well. Yeah. Um, another thing is you have to remember that uh, these kids are five, and so their, their fears and their like, um, things that are holding them back from doing some of the skills, it seems silly to you because you're an adult. But for them, it's scary. And so you gotta, you got to kind of remind yourself to get down on their level and remember that if you force a kid to do something and they start crying or you get frustrated with them and cause them to cry, like that kid is dealing with something that is a serious thing for them. And mm-hmm. so you need to just back off a little bit remember that they're five Take and let them do breath. something else. Yeah. Um, it's no big deal. You know, try to offer different options for students that maybe are not uh, willing to do some of the things that you might be doing. Um, start my second year how do you switch things up year to year um, for for me uh, my kindergarten looks very similar and then when they get to first grade it starts to progress you have the vertical alignment so if you're starting your first year teaching um, then you know everybody's kind of starting at square one you don't know everybody's previous instruction but then as you progress you'll start to see that vertical alignment as the knowledge and skills build and um, Hopefully you'll be able to build your kids from kindergarten all the way up through elementary school or if you're secondary, you know, you'll go up 6th to 12th. Same thing over there. Um, we don't have the benefit of seeing our kids a lot, so we see them once a week. So um, when we do a unit or an activity or something like that, they might only get a chance to do it three or four times depending on if they've been to class the whole time. So three or four times throughout one year is not enough for us to get proficiency. So we try to do the same things over and over again so they can remember some of the things that we've done in the past, which can help them be confident enough to do it outside of class. Um, but like Ben said, the vertical alignment, the difficulty from one year to the next is a, a basic way that we can switch up, you know, throwing unit or something like that. Might, the game might get a little more difficult as you get older. as a different way to try to switch things up over there. But um, we want to try to hit some of the same main things that around our community a lot. So they'll have the confidence and the ability to go do it outside of class. Yeah, just as a practical example of that, you know, in third grade, I want my kids to be able to play four square. And so in kindergarten, one of the skills we work on is bouncing and hitting it to a wall and catching it. Because that's a serve in four square. And there's no way kindergartners can play four square, but you can still do those fundamental skills with them. Bounce, hit to the wall, catch, just the basics. And as you do that, then in first grade, they might be able to do it to a partner. And then in second grade, they can go back and forth, you know, cooperatively um, with the game of Foursquare. So you can you can break things down like that, which leads us into our recommended format for a kindergarten lesson, which is? Stations. Stations all stations day. Stations are clutch. <laughs> stations are a great way for you to take the content that you're doing maybe with the older groups or with some other classes and break them down into four different or five different or however, how many skills that you want to use on there. Um, the stations are, are something that we teach early and often, especially with kindergarten and first grade, um, to get them acclimated to the gym, to get them acclimated to sharing equipment, using equipment, taking care of equipment. So um, stations help out a lot on there um, as far as what we do in the class over there. Yeah, for sure. Um, somebody was asking about stopping signal. Uh, for for me, I use the exact same stopping signal kindergarten through fifth grade, and it's just uh, one, two, three. When I say one, two, three, the kids say, huh, and then they all drop oh, to their knee. Means. They have equipment, they put it on the ground, and we also use music uh, as a management strategy. So anytime the music's playing, the kids are moving, 
and then if the music stops, they're listening and they can hear us call out that stopping signal. And then the kids stop, drop, and listen. So that's what we use. You guys use the same thing? Same thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, stations are great. And keeping your, like in my gym, we have quadrants. The gym's already divided into quadrants. And so all I have to do is change out the different stations. Um, at the beginning of the year, since the kids have never had any instruction, I will do one 25-minute lesson on how to jump rope. Here's some things you can do with the jump rope. I lay it on the ground, the kids jump over it, we talk about turn and jump one time um, because they're learning it for the first time. And the reason I do that is just because when the kids are at the station, I want them to have lots of different things that they can do to challenge themselves. And so then the next lesson I might do hula hooping. And I'll put some links below for some ideas for that. We got a, I got a jump roping YouTube video, a hula hooping YouTube video. You can kind of get an idea of just basic things that you can teach kids. So then once I've done that a few times, I'll have four stations in the gym jump roping, hula hooping, riding a scooter, and then maybe bouncing a ball. You can bounce it to yourself, bounce it to the wall, bounce it to a partner. Um, so then once we understand the rotation of those stations, I'll stop the music, the kids clean up, they point to the next station, always rotate the exact same way. Once we get that down, then I just start mixing up the stations to keep it interesting. Um, me and Marcus both break down the unit that we're teaching into basic skills. So if I'm teaching a basketball unit, my four stations for my kindergartners might be passing to the wall, passing to a partner, dribbling the ball, and shooting a gator skin ball into a bucket or into a goal if you have a goal that's low enough for them to reach. Yeah, every, every content that you can teach, you can break it down into a station. You could do it for different parts of one content, or you can break it down in levels over there. So I might have them dribble with a dominant hand at one station and dribble a non-dominant hand at one station or do a V-dribble at one station. So you can progress the content that you're doing or you can do four different content areas over there or five, depending on how many stations that you need over there. And it helps to build, you know, that relationship from one station to the next. And it also gets them prepared for field day because that's some of the things that we do on field day, moving from one station to the next. And you get a chance to work and individually get a chance to give feedback to individual students because you're not directing the whole lesson. Once students are engaged in the stations, you are now free to move about and, you know, redirect and give feedback and do all those different things over there. So now that's a couple of things, reasons why I like to do stations and, and Ben likes to do stations because we are, we become the facilitator. We, do, we relieve ourselves of the teaching duty and now we can facilitate a lot of different things and students get a chance to use a lot of different equipment and you know in our situation we don't have equipment for everybody so we have to be able to share the equipment as well you typically take attendance or get right into the incident activity uh, for me i don't have assigned seats for kindergarten so um we i just ask the teacher when they drop them off if anybody's absent and then i mark it on my roster and that's it so it's just Everybody here? <laughs> and then uh, if they're not, then uh, tell I'll put, you. A, I'll put yeah. an A yeah, by their name. Because it would, it would take too long with a 25-minute class for me to actually take attendance for kindergarten. Yeah, we have a little bit more time because uh, I have 50 minutes with my kindergartner. So uh, especially at the beginning of the year to help me learn the names, I'll call out students' names and I'll have them say, if I call your name out, stand up, tell me what your favorite food is or tell me what you like to do to be active. And it gives me a chance to look at their name, um, especially early in the year, mark here and there. But after the year starts, when the kids walk in, I mean, I have pack, pack, pack stuff that I need to do in the 50 minutes. So I basically go, if the, if the teacher aide is still there, 
I'll go, is anybody absent? And then they'll let me know who's absent on that. If she's already gone, I'll ask the kids, like, who's in, who's not here? Uh, we do it quick in kindergarten and try to try to maximize the time that we have. With Got to. Yeah. Got to. Um, so just getting practical, what my normal lesson, I would say about 75% of the time, um, I'm only, since I have a 25-minute class, the kids come in, I review the three rules I talked about at the beginning. We do walk and jog, jog the long lines, walk short lines. And then, you know, after five weeks of that, I'll switch it up and we'll do skipping, sliding, and then we'll do galloping, leaping, things like that. I'll put out little PVC hurdles for them. So you mix it up, but it stays the exact same routine. They walk in, they sit down, review the three rules, do a quick warm up. Then they come to the middle and I tell them the four stations. So we will rotate the exact same way every time, and I'll just switch out the skills that we're working on. I'd say that's about 75% of my kindergarten class because it's only 25 minutes. So the kids end up getting about four or five minutes at each station. Typical one for ours is just a a little bit extended than what Ben does because we have it for the whole 50 minutes. We used to have a 25-minute block, but we have so many kindergarten classes that we couldn't fit them all in one week to double them up. So they come for 50 minutes on there. So we do the same thing. They walk in, and we usually takes a little bit of time for them to walk in because there's two classes walking in. So we have one group walk all the way to the other side of the gym while another group walks in. We sit down, take attendance, and we get started on walking and jogging just like Ben does. Um, because of our size, once the kindergartners get acclimated to walking and jogging, there's a lot. There's almost 50 kindergartners trying to do walking and jogging. So. Eventually, after we get them acclimated to there, we'll set up cones in each of the four square spots, and then it'll become like a track going around. And once we see that they can handle, you know, moving with control, um, we'll do that off of the off of the walking and jogging lines. But we always use walking and jogging lines as a reference. So if kids aren't behaving or they can't do it, we digress and go back to walking and jogging until they understand what to do. After that, before we hit the stations, we usually talk about the content. And then if we have enough equipment for everyone to use, we'll do a whole group um, activity on there. And then after we do a whole group, then we'll switch and do the same kind of station format that Ben does. Um, we have doubled amount of kids that they, uh, Ben does has. So if, if we don't have enough equipment for each on the stations, we'll do half and half a class to do it and just have two stations. And then they'll flip flop the classes on there. But if we do have enough, we'll do the four station format as well. And then we'll bring them in for a closure. And then, you know, by the time we do that, um, we have to have them back at a certain time. So that it doesn't it doesn't seem as much, but with 50 kindergartners and trying to get in 50 minutes, I mean, the time flies on there. But do you guys have an official break for yours, like when they get water, bathroom, or is it just you got to get your at own? At the beginning of the year, I would say the first first class maybe second class after that will stop and if they need to they can go mm-hmm. but eventually once we start moving and doing different things like that with two teachers in there it helps out a lot right um, they can they can start to Take use responsibility stuff for their own actions. Them, yep nice. so we, we do it we try to do a good job of uh, talking to kindergarten teachers about using the restroom before you come to yeah. PE class so, but yeah um, Mr. Coach PE is asking how you split the groups up. Uh, for me, I split my groups up by, I usually only have 24 or 25 kids. So I know all their names, so it's very simple. I just say, hey, boom, 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 go to red square, boom, 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 go to green square, boom, 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 go to blue. When we did have 50 kids, it would be two classes. And so I would say, 
girls from Miss uh, Davis's class go to Blue Square. Boys from Miss Davis's class go to Red Square. Girls from Miss Johnson's class go to Green. Girls from Miss or boys from Miss Johnson go to Red. So it split it up ginger with each class. Um, you could also use Team Shake if you wanted to, which is a great app for dividing up classes. Yeah. You got any tips for that? We do the same thing, boys, girls. Uh, we do that. Uh, if you have a single class, you can go one, two, three, four. Gives them a chance to, you know, listen and then go to a station. Um, a quick check for understanding type thing you can do. Um, but we just we do basic gender um, things on there as well. Um, if you have a really good class, you can have them choose. Having give really that social, class. yeah, yeah. But if you have, <laughs> give them that social responsibility to to choose, and then you go in there and say, "Hey, I need five people at each station," and then have them. And then you, if if your kids are arguing at a station, that's a that's a time to teach. You say, "Hey, everybody's gonna get to do everything. You don't have to do something that, you know that you want to do first. I mean, I would prefer to do something last, but that's just me. Um, but that's a conversation that you can have in there. But we basically yeah. just do the gender with the class." And split them up that way. Um, another thing you can do, which I've done with my older kids, is uh, if you have colored wristbands, just those rubber yes. wristbands, you can buy them real cheap on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can, if you know you have 50 kids, you can count out, you know, 25% red, 25% green, yellow, and blue. And then as the kids come in, they stick their hand in the bucket, grab a wristband, put it on, and then when everybody sits down, if you got a blue wristband, go to the blue square. Yeah. So a real simple way to um, split it up too if you want to try that out. Um, so that was kind of the bulk of stations, but then let's talk about some of the other things we do with kindergarten for lessons. Um, one thing is you want to make sure they know how to move around in personal space and yes. work on those locomotor skills. So, yes. you know, just doing simple games like we talked about at the beginning where you're doing a game uh, that we, we call I see, where you're like, I see, and the kids what say, do what do you see? Yeah. And then you just make stuff up. You say, I see there's a lot of rabbits hopping around and the kids start hopping around. Or you say, I see there's a lot of trains sliding on a track and the kids are sliding around. So they're just working on moving to open spaces. Um, you can also do, which I would highly recommend, follow the leader songs. Yes. Like Listen and Move by Greg and Steve. Um, Call It Macaroni, which will link up a video of that. Yes. You can do uh, the Hokey Pokey, which I do with Hula Hoops. Um, freeze dance yeah freeze dance you can do chicken dance Um, there's a ton of ways that you can teach your kids how to follow along to a song and then you play the song and the kids know what to do and you can give feedback to other students um, that don't know how to skip or don't know how to slide you can kind of pull them aside and say hey remember sliding is sideways (laughs) Um, so you can have those little conversations once you get your kids in a routine and they know how to follow along to a song so sometimes I'll do that as a reward for my students if we're doing a station day and they finish uh, quickly and everybody's cleaning up their station fast and they're doing the right thing and they don't waste a bunch of time talking. Then I'll say, hey guys, you did an awesome job. We're gonna get to do call it macaroni now. And everybody cheers and then they get to do the song. So excited. Yeah. Yeah. So we do basically the same thing on there and and the the locomotor songs, again, give you a chance to let somebody else do the teaching. They call out the different locomotors and different activities then you get to move around and facilitate especially with a large group especially with a young group um, having that um, advocacy for somebody else to do some different things can help you out until you build a, a relationship base where you can handle those different things over there so we use uh, those those locomotor songs a lot um, we also do a breakdown of the, uh, the personal space 
uh, especially early in the year and you know praising students who who understand the personal space because that's how you eliminate a lot of the the issues and the injuries and stuff is that they just don't know how to, to move around with control so um, doing those personal space activities mixing them in with the stations um, breaking down what you do with the older students with kindergartners are, are a great way to help you um, manage that that first year for them and make it fun for them and then eventually you know with the vertical alignment in the space you can start to add in different things as they get older but those basic things is some of the things that we try to accomplish every year to help us out to to get them to do the stations and the locomotives and the different activities so that way when they get older with us we already have those rules established we already know what's going on so those are some of the things that we try to do yep you can do basic tag games um noodle tag you know i probably wait for me personally i wait till about halfway through the year before yeah. i do any kind of tag games with my kindergarten kids mm -hmm. um and another uh tip for kindergarten tag games is i got this from sarah wood i don't know if she's watching on instagram but um is put a beanbag on their heads and then if your beanbag falls off you're frozen so what that causes everybody to do is to slow down, which is what you want. Or you can put everybody on scooters um, if you want to do that as well. Although I don't know if that would be safer because then somebody's hand might get run over. So <laughs> beanbag on head is a good one, though. Um, somebody asked, uh, how do you close your class? For me, it's real. It's like we had 25 minutes. I get them in. Instant activity. Four stations. Line up. And get out. And then we switch classes. Um, so I get two kindergarten classes back to back. Uh, for 25 minutes each so there's no waiting um, and for the closure it's like once they line up on the line I say everybody say step and push yeah. <laughs> we're working on passing that day we just review the cues like two times and then we're out um, so just working on those basics trying to help them build those fundamental skills do you guys do anything different for your closure um, we have a little bit more time so we can bring them into a central area we have a middle white square and talk about you know what we did in the class and all this different things. So we have a little bit more time to do that. Um, but a lot of times we just, it's just basic quick, you know, same thing. You get on the line, we got to take uh, kids back, different things like that. It's just real quick, you know, you know, underhand, you know, it's different things like that. So we try to do those different things quickly as well, but we have a little bit more time. We can all bring them together and have a conversation with them as well. Cool. Good stuff, guys. Hope that was helpful. Um, and wherever you're listening or watching, uh, if you'd rather do the podcast, we're going to have the podcast out soon. It's going to be up on YouTube as well. And um, thank you for checking us out on Instagram Live. Appreciate the questions. That was fun. Um, and tune in next time to the Phys Ed Q&A podcast. If you want to um, look up some of the show notes or the links, you want to hit up uh, – thepspecialist.com slash podcast and we'll have all the episodes listed there for you to make it nice and easy. Right now. Thanks for being here guys. Appreciate have fun it. and teach on. See you later. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Phys Ed Q&A Show podcast. I hope it was so helpful and you got some serious value bombs out of it. Just wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the PE Specialist Membership Community. It's an awesome crew of passionate PE teachers where we get together, brainstorm ideas, come to with common problems and provide feedback to each other. And we've got a ton of awesome resources like e-courses, online trainings, tutorials, a ton of unit and lesson plan samples, printable station signs, and cues posters. And I could keep on going, but 
I know you've got things to do. So I just wanted to let you know, if you want to check out the details and see if it might be a good fit for you, you can head on over to thepspecialist.com slash info for some more information. As always, have fun and teach on. Have a great day, guys.